HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi there, you're listening to Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and this is Heritage Radio Network. Um, today's show is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink. They're having a Get the Ball Rolling fundraiser um, this March 27th at Del Posto. Um, it sh- sounds like a really, really fabulous uh, fundraiser event featuring David Chang, uh, foods cooked by all these chefs, Wally Dufresne, um, and Roberto's own Carlo Maracci. Um, tickets are at M-O-F-A-D, that's Museum of Food and Drink, dot eventbrite.com. And you could also check out M-O-F-A-D, Museum of Food and Drink, dot org for more info. Um, so um, here we are on this lovely March Monday. Spring-like weather is abound. Um, and I have uh, Caroline Mack from Brooklyn Soda Works with me today. I could really go for a soda right now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully the weather will start warming up. Um, but right now, it's for me, it's a tad on the chilly side. But we've st- we're still doing an apple ginger um, from apples that have been cellared. Si- um, and uh, the crop last year was pretty good. So that's on tap right now at 61 Local and at Beer Table. Great. And that's uh, juice from... Uh, Red Jacket Orchards? Yeah, we work with Red Jacket Orchards. They have really, really great apples. Yeah, I noticed, um, I went back maybe a couple times and the juice seems, and I know that they have so many different varieties of apple juice from Red Jackets because they have so many different types of apples. I I felt like one was a little different and it was like a different type of apple. Did that happen or? Yeah, that's definitely possible. We're Mm -hmm. still trying to hammer down our recipe. Um, So for a while we were working with just their cider blend, um, Mm -hmm. which is a blend of different apples. And that's right. Cider is a blend. Yeah. Yeah. And um, recently, we've started using more Fuji juice, uh, which is a little yeah. right, which is a little bit lighter and a little brighter. Um, and, and there's lemon juice in there too. In co- yellow in color, yeah. right? Lemony, mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes that works better with different types of ginger. It also varies depending on the crop of ginger. Um, I think last year was actually a bad year for ginger. For ginger, uh huh. Huh. but it's underground. <laughs> I know, I know, but. Um, Apparently, these things happen. Okay. So we're always on the eye out for a good ginger. You learn something every now, every day. Yep. No. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll learn how to say that saying. <laughs> um, so um, Caroline and Antonio, her partner, um, who will be joining us shortly, um, recently started Brooklyn Soda Works. It's an artisanal soda company. 
based in Brooklyn, and uh, they just got written up in the New York Times, a beautiful article about you guys' work. Congratulations. Thank you so much. That was um, that was a really nice surprise. Uh, the reporter, Natasha Singh, actually spent an evening with us um, in our kitchen when we were doing a number of test batches. Uh, it was also the evening that Antonio tried out his our uh, homemade smoker and mm-hmm. we tried to smoke some plums at home and Whoa. we had we'd been working on brining some lemons so we did a little test batch with that salted lemons yeah it oh, was really fun okay cool that, how was that were you expecting press at this time because i know that you just recently launched a year or so ago no? yeah we're yeah. Ex- i think we're at our one year anniversary sometime um, middle of march um and the response has been really great i don't think either of us expected this much attention um but it seems to have picked up steam um and to be completely honest we've been really blown away <laughs> by it and it's been amazing how supportive people have been i mean more importantly it's just when we find out that chefs who we really love are interested in trying our product, that makes us incredibly happy. Right. So it must have been hard, like, because you guys are, you know, running this as a two-person operation, having to field all these press requests. I mean, whose job is that? Um, we sort of go back and forth. Um, Antonio is a research chemist, so he has a pretty strenuous commute over to New Jersey and you know he's at his job Monday through Friday um, I'm a visual artist so my schedule is more flexible um, so basically running Brooklyn Soda Works has become my day job um, mm-hmm. and we actually just uh, took on three employees and we had our first sort of informal drinks meeting last night oh, that's exciting. over a hot bird so that was really fun <laughs> and it seems like it's going to be a good team so we're looking forward to the year Oh, that's great. Congrats on the expansion. Yeah, thank you. And the one-year anniversary. Yeah, we need to do something to celebrate. But I think we're, um, we've been so busy moving into our new kitchen, we haven't been able to think of anything else. Birthday cake-flavored soda? <laughs> I don't know. Melted candle. Cream soda. Yeah. yeah I've been working think? on that one, too. Okay. I've been trying to do a good cardamom cream soda. I know you made some amazing-sounding root beer uh, sodas or other kind of birch beers and... Mm-hmm. Like I was looking at their blog way back when they first started and there was all these different ingredients and roots and spices and nuts that go into the flavor of root beer that I was not aware of. Right. That <laughs> was a really fun research. I mean, it's actually an ongoing research project. Um, we didn't know that root beer was that complicated until we started getting into it. And uh, this is definitely where Antonio's background comes in really handy. As a chemist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting to sort of compare um, root beer that's been made by homebrewers or by soda enthusiasts at home with commercially available root beers, because commercially available root beers are now, I think, made from about three or four ingredients. And the Isn't root beer it just that, artificial flavor? Um, they use real wintergreen extracts, and oh, okay. they and you know the really good ones like Virgil's is a really good root beer. They use like real extracts and like high quality ingredients, but um, I think. The number, total number of ingredients that we ended up adding in was something close to 15. Oh my gosh. Speaking of which, so maybe Antonio can help us figure out what those things are because he's just calling in. Hey, Antonio, are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi, Kathy. How's it going? Good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. So we were just talking about all the 15 ingredients. Is this like Colonel Sanders' secret blend of root beer? Who invented this crap anyway? The 15 ingredients that go in the root beer? Or root beer. In general, 
No? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much about the history of root beer, but uh, but yeah, it was originally made from all kinds of roots, and it was for it was a sort of medicinal thing, yeah. you know. A lot of these sodas were. It was like a chem. It was a pharmacy tonic to 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 heal people. Um, so, I mean, how does that play into what you do? Are you trying to heal people too with uh, with your background in chemistry and bring soda back to that kind of more healthy place? No, not really. I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, uh, the day job and chemistry and making medicine is, is its own thing. And and uh, with soda, we're really just trying to make something delicious, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, we've actually had to answer that question a lot. Um, people often ask us, oh, is this rooted in, like, trying to get back to the history of soda? Um, especially because New York especially has quite a rich history of seltzer and, you know, soda fountains. But... Um, I'm not American and mm-hmm. also generationally, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm under 35. So there isn't that drive for nostalgia right. that we have. Um, and we just want to make something that tastes really great. Um, we were actually originally driven to do this because we're big fans of cocktails and you can't often oh. afford a $13 cocktail on a regular basis. Nope. And but, sometimes you don't want to get drunk, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's the morning or whatever. Yeah. Know. Right. So. That's yeah. really cool. You know, it's funny because I was at Local 61 the other day and I had a bit of a cold and I just didn't want a beer. And thank goodness they had, in addition to, you know, they had Brooklyn kombucha on top as well as your soda on top. And I'm like, these are great choices. I'm so glad. Yeah, I really, really like this move to having uh, non-alcoholic beverages on tap. Um, You know, what Eric's doing over at Brooklyn kombucha is really great. And, you know, definitely where it's great to be sort of in the same company as um, other really great small breweries that are on tap as well as like other non-alcoholic beverages. It's just nice that a place like Local 61 will give us the chance to be on tap and that really means a lot to us yeah and it's the great it's a great chance for me to you know get this this stuff because you can't get it everywhere it's a special offering definitely it's a special treat yeah hopefully we'll expand a little bit more (laughs) are we going to see bottles by the end of the year something like that um that's hard we (laughs) (laughs) probably not uh we're we're shooting to be in bottles for like larger distribution next year is what it's looking like but uh we will we do we will do some bottling by hand or um like for uh blue hill and for palo santo and oh. for uh porchetta and a few and a few restaurants so we'll have we'll have bottles on tap there maybe roberta's because i could I'm use sorry, a little bottles, refreshing but, uh, drink sometimes here <laughs> yeah and roberta's go has got a really great beer selection too um but yeah and the bottling thing is 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 complicated as yeah. i'm sure you know it definitely mm-hmm. eats up a lot of time um but you know we're still trying to figure out how to way to bottle things without sacrificing costs and efficiency and uh, i like the idea that since our product is so perishable it has a shelf life of about two weeks mm-hmm. um i've been trying to explain to people that it's a little bit like milk it's hard to distribute far and wide and you have to consume it within two weeks which actually makes it a terrible business plan <laughs> Um, but having it, you know, letting restaurants and bars have it in a keg on tap is 
a way of ensuring that their product is as fresh as possible. Right. Whereas if you have something in a bottle, um, you know, it, it does happen. It can get Uh-oh. shoved behind in the back of a fridge, and we'd rather just make sure we control That's just the, the same with beer, it. yeah. Right. Crazy. Um, and, uh, and that's definitely not your first thought when you think of soda. So this is really... This is like juice that's been carbonated, like the apple one is. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's, it's not it's carbonated syrups. juice. Yeah. Right. We we don't use syrups. Um, I guess our name Brooklyn Soda Works is a little, maybe was a slightly poor choice, but we're, we're stuck with it now. Why is that? Um, because then people are constantly like, oh, so you're soda. Um, can we get you for our soda fountain? But then we've explained that well, we since we don't make syrups, it doesn't. We don't work in the same way. Um. But we'll sell you a keg if you have an extra beer line mm-hmm. or you want to install a kegerator. Um, so it's, yeah, the name Antonio and I have gone back and forth about whether or not it was, you know, a great yeah. choice. Yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Carbonated Juice Works didn't really, you know, have the same ring. But I guess that's maybe a more accurate description of what most of our flavors are. And, right. and why did you decide to do that instead of doing the much simpler route of syrup? Um, uh, we just wanted to do something different, something uh, something new. And we are both total, uh, we, we love fresh fruit. We're obsessed with fruit. So we just wanted to do something fresh. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, we're lucky living in New York City that we have access to really good fruit from everywhere, from Finger Lakes regions to South Jersey. And especially in, you know, from May to September, um, it it there's such a great abundance of fruit out there that it seems silly to not take advantage of how fresh it is. Right. I can't wait for peach time. Yes. I can't wait oh, to see yeah. what flavors you guys have up in, up your sleeves soon. Can you share any, uh, any like tidbits about stuff you're tinkering on right now? Well, we haven't been doing, we've been tinkering mostly with just uh, spices and things over the winter. We're excited to, I think probably rhubarb will be the first. Whoa. Fresh thing that we'll be working on so um but yeah we kind of we kind of work just on the fly so we get we get the fruit and then we uh taste it make some flavors you know so it's hard we don't work too far in advance so once uh once that rhubarb's in season we'll start working with it that's so exciting i can't wait i've never had rhubarb soda um did you try any like winter veggies like carrot <laughs> <laughs> We thought about a carrot ginger soda. We never, we never got around to trying it. It was just so hard. It's one of my favorite like juice bar things, you know, carrot and ginger. That's a hard sell, I guess. Yeah, it's a, it, although it's actually quite, I mean, it's quite colorful. But um, I couldn't quite get excited about the root vegetables the same way, uh, <laughs> uh, juicing them as <laughs> would eating them. And then we celery. No, it's celery. Yeah. Celery is yeah, great, actually. Good. I know. Um, Something about kale soda just sounds like an oxymoron. You right. Know, you want to drink soda, not. Right. Cabbage soda. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible idea. Uh, we did have fun, though. We were, um, well, root beer was actually quite a big winter project. Uh, and also trying to perfect um, a couple of old recipes. And we started to work on brining some lemons, too. Ooh, so yeah. for our salted lemon um, flavor, which is actually going to be a beer for beasts. That's going to be a beer for beasts. I can't wait to talk more about that. I was, I was saving yeah, yeah. that. But, um, yeah, that'll be that'll be the premiere of that flavor. And, premiere. Um, we started it a little bit late, but hopefully, uh, the idea is that this year we'll start 
doing maybe some preserving of things a little earlier so that we can tide ourselves over with new flavors over the winter. Is that inspired by the Moroccan preserved lemons, sort of? Um, it's actually not in Hong Kong, which is where I'm from. Um, it's a pretty common drink, especially in diners. You get 7-Up and they'll give you a wedge of salted lemons, salting oh. lemons just by brining them, and you leave them in a jar for about a month to six months um they they're perfectly preserved but they get this like nice sort of salty funk to it um so you have a salted lemonade or a salted seven up it's so it's good for you it's quenches that's what right. you know the salt is there for fascinating yeah. guys okay so you guys can get that first and foremost at beer for beasts it's a collaborative event fundraiser for new york Humane society at uh the bell house march 26 beer for um I'm going to take a quick break, and they're going to put on a song that they picked. What'd you pick, guys? Um, uh, the song, do, it's uh, Do the Funky Penguin by Rufus Thomas. Okay, we'll be right and all back. The <laughs> service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Take a swig of Beer Sessions Radio every Tuesday at 5 p.m. with Jimmy Carboni, the owner of Jimmy's Number 43, and Ray Dieter, owner of DBA. Beer-loving raconteurs offer toasts, share craft beer news, and swap anecdotes about their lives on the front lines of the craft beer movement. Again, Beer Sessions Radio every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're back with Let's Eat In. Um, Kathy Irway, your host. And we've got Carolyn Mack and Antonio Ramos from Brooklyn Soda Works. Is Antonio still there? Yep, I'm still here. Awesome. Um, do that funky thing. I love that. <laughs> do you guys listen to music a lot when you're doing the funky experiments in the kitchen <laughs> soda? Yeah, there's definitely... Um, we always try to keep the tunes going in the background. Um, but it was... It was actually a funny story about how, well, when we were trying to pick a song for the radio show, <laughs> we had, um, when we got started a year ago, we, <clears throat> we used a platform Kickstarter mm-hmm. to raise just some startup seed money, and you have to give sort of incentives and gifts to people to pledge. Right. So what Antonio did was um, he came up with four mixed CDs, uh, each one named after one of the flavors that we've been working on. So there was ginger lemon, um, <laughs> maple bacon, uh, root beer, and what else? What else am I missing? 
That's three. Uh, lemon ginger root beer. Yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, I think that was three. Oh, I think we did a well. You did a glog one as a as a like a yeah. Yeah. Glock? glog one. Oh yeah, that is so cool, guys. I would love to receive like a customized. You know, person-in-person mixed CD. That's so fun. Oh, well, definitely someone over. We have a bunch still lying about the house. Nice. Right on. So congrats on the Kickstarter. Um, I can't believe that was a year ago now. I, for some reason, think it was yesterday, but I realized it was a year <laughs> it's ago. It's been a long year, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, it's um, sped by. And before, when we were talking about carrot soda for a moment, Caroline, you mentioned, oh, that would look pretty. And I was just remembering, because you're a visual artist. You're mm-hmm. an artist as you're as your now not day job, but right. <laughs> side job. Um, how does that play into soda making? Um, it's an, that's an interesting question because I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, you know, I don't work with food very often. In fact, like working in Broken Soda Works has been my first foray into working in the food world. Um, but I'm, you know, I think maybe the process of which I spend, of which I make work, and I spend a lot of time in the studio on my feet, and I like working large. I like working large-scale things. Um, so working in a commercial kitchen with large crates of fruit has, hasn't really ever daunted me. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas I actually don't particularly enjoy coming home and try to dig up dinner from, like, a few, like, whatever left we have in our fridge. No. Um, I'm just kidding. I know, I know, I know. I just listen to your show more. Um, no worries. You but, can make a lot for dinner, too. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, the good thing is Antonio's actually a really good cook, so I've been nice. relying on him. I think I have an interest in putting together large projects. and um, Creative you know, projects. Yeah, and logistically, I've been able to apply those skills that I have from my own um, practice as an artist over to, uh, you know, Brooklyn Soda Works from running the administrative side to, like, thinking of ideas. Um, but I also think, you know, this is where Antonio and I work together well. We've been able to sort of think beyond what soda is, which is traditionally, you know, a syrup plus carbonated water, mm-hmm. and think about what it is as this drink. It's really, you know, a beverage that you're forcing... Um, a gas into to make bubbly and I right. think that's actually really fascinating because given these two quite limiting parameters of what you can do to it and what substances you can you know make into a liquid and you know what you can carbonate with we were actually thinking about um using well right now we're just force carbonating with carbon dioxide mm-hmm. but what about using other gases I mean totally. we're definitely influenced by what a lot of the craft brewers have been doing okay yeah um, like nitrogen like Guinness or you know yeah. the, the how they do the stouts with uh, a nit- dispensing a nitrogen carbon dioxide mixture to get the smooth, creamy, thick head and the right. different mouthfeel of the carbonation. Yeah, there's totally different levels. Right. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, something like that would be really interesting with a root beer, right? Mm-hmm. A uh, different type of bubble than what we're used to. So, you know, I think that's where Antonio and I have been able to work together well. That's fascinating. So, Antonio, you're the chef. You're the cook among the, the pair. And you guys are a couple, by, I can by say default. that, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so what's a typical, I know you guys like fresh fruit. What's a typical meal that you might make on a busy week end, or weekday, night? I don't know. Our, uh, I mean, I guess our quick meals are uh, noodles and vegetables, like, um, or, or pasta. You Hot know, noodles soup? that you can whip up or? quick. But yeah. we make, you know, pasta, pasta from scratch and everything. Um, there's mm. a place that every time I've been going down to Chinatown um, to pick up, you know, crates of ginger, there's mm-hmm. um, a good place on Barry and Grand where they make their own fresh rice noodles. So they're wide 
the white Ooh. ones that are rolled. Um, and that's a very Cantonese thing. Taofan. Yeah, yeah. Taofan. Okay. Um, and they do it fresh and it's, it's just a little corner stall and they sell them by the pound. Okay. So every time I go down there, I, I try to pick up a couple pounds. And then it doesn't last very long because it dries out and, you know, yeah, you've got to... rice noodle. Yeah. The big, like, thick, like, thicker than fettuccine, right? They're like right. tagliatelle, that's maybe. Yes, They're almost like, it's almost like a sheet that's sort yeah. of rolled into a big noodle-like tube. Lasagna, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And that, because um, actually last winter we had made uh, an exo sauce from scratch. Um, and exo sauce? What's that? Um, so, okay. It's a, it's a very Hong Kong thing. Oh. And But actually, um, Antonio actually did it. My mom me. is Mandarin, so uh, she speaks mm-hmm. Mandarin, so I'm not it's, aware. Uh, it's actually, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'd love to give you some to sample but um there's dried shrimp um shrimp roe and dried scallops um mm. hot chili peppers and, and a little bit of garlic and that chili pepper mm. and sometimes uh, some people put ginger in it you could put ginger in it i think mm. um i think one of the recipes we had looked at was from david chang's recipe book right for the exercise yeah, he pretty much he pretty much uses like half ginger half garlic and then a, bu- a bunch of dried chili. seafood Okay. Yeah, and it's great but for sorting things. Ones with. Don't that have sounds ginger. super easy. You just keep these things on, you know, in the kitchen, and you're ready to go anytime. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So having like a good stock of like homemade sauces, and then uh, if you buy fresh noodles, um, for me that's like the most satisfying Aww. quick weekend dinner, and it's a nice little reminder of home as well. Yeah. Cool. Antonio, are you from? Where are you from? I can't remember. Um. I grew up in uh, Texas and Georgia, and then uh, I moved up to New Jersey and New York. Uh, my family's my family's Puerto Rican. My my father's Puerto Rican. My mom's American. Is there but, any? Uh, com- I've always lived in the states. Mm-hmm. Is there any comfort dishes that you find really quick and easy and satisfying? Uh, I mean, one of my favorite. I love I love rice and beans, of course, and uh, yeah. and uh, there's a there's a Puerto there's Rican chicken stew that I really love. Ooh, nice. But uh, I don't actually make that one too often. Yeah, we definitely should it's, uh, actually. It's kind of a lot of work, right? But it's uh, but it's good for for parties or for cooking up a huge batch and having leftovers for the week. Have you found that any of your um, I don't know back like heritage influences um, made their way into soda flavors by any chance or still? Um, definitely the salted lemon salted one lemon, yeah. um, is one that I actually developed in Hong Kong and uh, did for a demo when I was there in December. Um, and every time I'm in Hong Kong, I'll pick up whatever fruit they have there and and try to do up a batch. Um, the guavas that you get in Hong Kong are really different from the guavas that you buy here, which I think are predominantly from... Where are they from, the guavas that you get here? They're definitely I mean, they're, the Puerto Rican. They're like the Puerto Rican guavas. They're for like Caribbean. Right, they're much. You know, they're bigger. they're pink. They're sweet. Hmm. They're right. bigger. The the Southeast Asian ones are like small, and they're usually completely white inside and not very oh. sweet. They're more closer to like a pear almost. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I had in Taiwan too. Yeah, yeah. The so texture's quite different. Yeah, when I was mentioning guava to people, and they put salt on it too yes. when they yeah. eat it. Okay, yeah. there we go. Um, yeah, it's, it's totally like night and day with the guavas yeah. that, as we know them here. Right, and I think, um, and actually Antonio did a bunch of good flavors last year for, um, I was actually out of town, but it was for the Caribbean Day Parade, right? Yeah, yeah, well, the uh, West Indies Day Parade. Oh yeah, sorry, West Indies Day Parade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did cherry moya and sorrel, which is a hibiscus, oh, yeah. florida jamaica and ginger and a little cinnamon. Cool, that sounds really cool. Of course, lemon and ginger. 
things like that. That sounds really fun. Hey, I've been wondering about putting Sichuan peppercorns in. <laughs> I was thinking about putting it in beer, but then I, uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound too good. You know, it we've been we've been trying. It's oh. it's, a, it's a tricky one too because I mean the way they're traditionally used in the Chinese cuisine is is always in oil. oil. You know, use it with like the tangerine peel or whatever, and it's the first thing you add to like hot oil, and the flavor extracts really well into oil. Oh. But it does not extract really well into water at all. Yeah. So every time we've tried you know, boiling it in water or soaking it in a sugar syrup or anything like that. It's just what's good about it doesn't come through into the water. Okay. So we've been thinking about, <clears throat> we've been thinking about possibly doing a, making our own extract. Okay. You know, with like, with alcohol. A tincture, So that yeah. maybe the flavor would go into the alcohol and then we could boil the alcohol off. But oh, we just haven't got around to that yet. Or you could keep the alcohol and we'll have a boozy soda. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. But you guys had a pink peppercorn in in something, right? Yeah, we've used pink peppercorn in a couple um, of d- couple of our flavors. We recently did one that was uh, lemon, thyme, and pink peppercorn. Oh, that was the one. It tasted like a fuzzy mouthful of thyme. I swear, that was so good. Oh yeah, the thyme <laughs> was awesome. I think we probably had a really good batch of thyme that month. And <laughs> I gotta say, I really, really do love pink peppercorn. Mm-hmm. Um, like the smell of yeah, it, so floral. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, we have just a couple minutes left, and I love asking this to everyone. Um, so, Caroline, what's yes. your favorite romantic date meal type of dish? Like something you you would find in you know a nice, enticing, uh, whatever that means to you. Um, <laughs> interesting romantic type of dish. Um, I love it when Antonio cooks for me, so I'm pretty happy whenever when any sort of dish appears in front of me. But um, I. For some reason, I think it's been cold. I've been kind of craving lamb shank. It's probably not the most romantic Ooh. thing right now. No, a big <laughs> shank of osobuco or something yeah. on your plate. That's definitely impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that screams sort of like, I can take care of you. Here's a lamb shank. <laughs> <laughs> I fought this lamb. <laughs> and ripped Cute. his leg off. There you go. So that's, that's my choice. Hot. Um, Antonio, do you have any? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm thinking quite the opposite. I guess, <laughs> like something like scallops or oysters oh. or something a little more, you know, delicate perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Seems a little more romantic. No, no, but, this uh, is so common. The girl but, always picks the meatier, like heartier thing, and the guys are like, "Oh, I think a salad." <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great question. Though. I would have never thought to ask it, but um, yeah, I think it's 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 the. Uh, it's a very nice and I'm telling one. I'm an informal poll, so thank you. For, no problem. I hope I can still surprise people with that. So, um, I guess that's about all the time we have, but I can't wait for your, um, well, the Brooklyn Flea is going to open April 2nd. Mm-hmm. April 2nd. We'll you, be at the uh, Fort Greene one, and then also we're at the Williamsburg one. Williamsburg on. one is going to be a new one. So look out for Brooklyn Soda Works. Um, they're on Twitter. They have a Facebook page. They're going to be at Beer for Beasts. And thank you so much, Antonio and Caroline. And thanks, everyone at Heritage. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. 
You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Overhopper, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network. following is a public service announcement from Heritage Foods USA. In late March, Dan, Andrea, Patrick, and the Heritage team are traveling to the coldest reaches of the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont to help the Cantor family tap sugar maple trees. Then the maple sap will flow down to the sugar house where it is boiled gently over a wood fire just as it has been for generations. Just a few days later, this grade A amber syrup will be poured into the beautiful glass jugs and sent to you for pancakes, waffles, desserts, glazing hams, or just drinking by the spoonful. There's only a limited supply, so order today. Each one-liter bottle is $45, including delivery. Delivery will be at the end of March, and we will notify you of the exact shipping date. Each shipment will include a CD explaining the whole process. You can also follow us on YouTube while we work and bottle. In the meantime, you can head over to the Heritage Radio Network archives and listen to Linda Palaccio talk about maple syrup on her show, A Taste of the Past, Episode 12. For more information, visit www.heritagefoodsusa.com.